0: That song, it is well with my soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I believe the Lord is asking that question this morning. Is it well with your soul? Are you thinking about all these things that maybe you've done in the past and God is saying, I've forgiven them because you've already asked me to forgive. I've already done it. It's nailed to the cross. Is it well with your soul? God is the one that looks in the heart. And he knows what's going on inside your heart. And he's here to heal your heart. To heal your mind. And to set you free. God loves you so much. And that's not even the message. <laughs> but that's his message before this message. <laughs> so this morning we're going to take a detour away from it's time to enter the promised land. And we're going to talk a little bit about, because it's Valentine's on Tuesday. And so James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights With whom is no variation or shadow of turning No variation or shadow of turning And one, God, one day God spoke in my heart That he gives good gifts in the midst of the bad Are we looking for the good gifts in the midst of the bad? Many times we look at trials as being so bad And when God sees something good that can come from it We can't see that. You know, the Bible says what Satan meant for evil, God will turn for our good and his glory. Romans 8, 28 says all things, not some things, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and those that are called according to his purpose. His purpose. It doesn't say according to your purpose. It says his purpose. Now, did you ever receive a gift that you didn't like? Mm-hmm. However, you didn't say anything because you didn't want to hurt the person's feelings. And so you graciously accepted it. No. After all, the saying goes, it's the thought that counts, right? Okay. Well, I'm reminded of a gift that my son chose a long time ago. He, he gave it to me and he says, Mom, I was just really... I saw this and I was really thinking about you. It's a, a white stuffed gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty. I mean, she is a pretty gorilla. You know, and it's a, it, it's a female. You know, she's got a red bow in her hair and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but it's like, what? You're thinking of me and, and you see a gorilla, gorilla and you're thinking of me. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, then another time, Fred got a gift from his mom years ago, and I don't know if you remember this, Fred, but it was a 18-wheeler, and it revved up, run, run, run. That's supposed to wake you up. I should try to find that. Pardon me? It's up in the closet. Oh, Okay. bought me a little pillow and when we were dating for my birthday we were dating (laughs) it says you were born for me Mm -hmm. right (laughs) we were born for each other when God saw my husband he thought of me Hmm. when he saw me he thought of Fred your husband or your wife is God's gift to you hmm what was he thinking (laughs) Now, believe me, all that you know, Fred and I, we are total opposites. (laughs) Temperament, personality, likes and dislikes. Believe me, total opposite. He loves racing, football games, wrestling, all of that. And I'm not sports-minded in any way. Not at all. (laughs) But God already knew what our differences were. And he saw how he was going to use those differences with us. And I remember one day Fred was saying about me being the first of the month, the booby prize. You know, and that's because my mother used to say that. But I looked up booby prize. Now she was just kidding because my birthday is the first of the month, the first day. And she would say, and I'd say, well, I'm the gift of the month, Mom. (laughs) And mom say, Yeah, the booby prize. <laughs> yeah. And then I looked up Booby when I was going through healing in my heart and my mind. And I thought, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to look that up. Well, it means a stupid person. It does. A booby prize is a mock award for the worst performance. I realized this is how I saw myself. Uh-huh. Do you ever have thoughts about words that have been spoken to you, that they keep coming back over and over again? God wants to heal. He wants to heal our heart, and he wants to heal our minds of that. And as God began to root out the rejection that was inside of me and the fear, this is what he revealed to me. And I had to take authority over that, break that those words off every word that has been spoken over you that is not what God says needs to be broken off of you and you are saying yes Emily aren't you (laughs) and she went like this at me well I am convinced when people are hurting they hurt each other and when Fred and I got married we brought in a lot of baggage we both came from divorces We had a lot of pain hidden down in the depths of our heart. It was all covered up by anger, fear, and rejection. And one day, the Lord gave me this vision. I saw Jesus holding a lamb. And the lamb was so wounded and so crushed and so bleeding that you couldn't hardly even see what the lamb looked like. And he told me, this is you and Fred, but I'm going to heal you. This is many years ago, but I'm going to heal you. We were about to embark on a journey that would lead to God's love walk in marriage. And Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron. Ooh, ooh. That's tough. <laughs> so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. As iron sharpens iron. In other words, we got to grow up, don't we? We all got to grow up. We got to grow up in the Lord and develop his character or, you know, we can remain victims and be crushed by the enemy. It's our choice. We have a choice in life. And I remember saying to you before, you know, I asked the Lord, I said, God, why didn't you just make us puppets that we could just follow you all around and we'd do the right thing and we just follow you. And he said, would you want your children to come to you out of duty or out of love? See, that's what he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him because we know he loves us. And one day I was spending time in the Lord's presence and I had a vision. And I saw Jesus stooped over a big chest throwing out things that he didn't want. He just was pitching them. You know, and it's like uh, spring cleaning, you know, you're discarding everything. Well, that's what he was doing in the cedar chest. And he spoke this in my spirit. Your marriage is my treasure chest. I place in you and Fred the riches of my glory. I have designed all marriages to be my treasure chest in order for my glory to shine. I must remove all the dross. As the dross is removed, more healing will come and more of my power will be evident. You will now see daily what I am removing in you and Fred. I do not remove without replacements. So look at these times as gaining gifts from me. Is God taking some things away from you? Is he taking things that maybe you've held for so long and and he's just removing them? Yeah. And why is he doing that? Because he loves you. Because he wants the best for you. Because he knows the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. And he knows what's coming ahead of you because he's already walked the journey. But he knows that he's given you a choice. You ever think what the Father feels when we choose the opposite of what he has planned for us? The heartbreak? All you that have children here today, how do you feel if your children go against you? And they go and they do the opposite and then they have these consequences to pay and you don't want to see them go through the consequences. That's the way our Father is. He doesn't want to see us go through those consequences. He wants us to be healed. And getting rid of the dross means the waste matter, the refuse, the impurities. And that's what God wants to do in us. He wants to get rid of all that junk. All that junk. All those things that have happened to us, even as a child, we can go back to. Because our mind is like a picture taker and it snaps everything that's going on in our life and then it's a camera that keeps bringing it back bringing it back bringing it back rewinding those pictures are you allowing God to take and heal and no i'm not back there i've already accepted jesus into my heart and this is who i am do you really know who you are in the lord i have people been asking me that recently jenny really who who am i in the lord Who, who am i well you are god's shining star you are his precious jewel. You are his masterpiece created to do good works for him. That's who we are. You are the apple of his eye. And Frank and Jess back here, their children are the apple of their eyes. Caitlin, your children are the apple of your eye. Josh, your children are the apple of your eye, right? Oh, Yeah. Of course, Robin, all of us that have children, our kids are the apple of our eyes. We love them. We love them so much. And even when they stray, what do we do? We still love. Don't we? We still love them. And that's what God's message is today, love. He loves us. And I can tell you, we are God's vessels. And he is beginning a purifying process in everything, in our marriages, in our church family, in our families. He wants to purify us. No, we're never going to be perfect, but he is perfect. But we can have the reflection of him because we are called to be more like him. That's where he wants us to be. And I sat down and I wrote love. And I thought about the power of love. One day the Lord spoke in my heart on submission. He told me that he wasn't just a God of love. He is love. He showed me that when a wife comes before him. Spends time with God. She takes that love back to her husband. And when a husband comes before the Lord, he takes that love back to his wife. That is the perfect that God is looking for the perfection of love. Because he is loving us so much. Everyone on the earth is looking for that perfect love. But the real truth of this is that we are human beings. And we do not love with a perfect love. So where do we experience this perfect love? We know that hurting people hurt people, and if we are honest with ourselves, we've all been hurt by others, haven't we? And we also have hurt other people. We may try to love each other, but the truth of the matter is, when hard challenges come in our health, finances, Loss of loved ones and disagreements in marriages, family, and relationships, they can all lead to fear, worry, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, right? Yeah. And I've heard people say that when they're in love, oh, I found the perfect one. <laughs> and then it's like you get married, you have your honeymoon, and it's like, uh oh, where'd that perfect one go? <laughs> I didn't know you did this. I didn't know you said that. (laughs) And the longer you're married, you see the imperfections, don't you? (laughs) The imperfections. But God knows what to do with those imperfections, and that is why we lean on him, and we trust him, and we rely on him, because it is all about him. It is all about him. So what kind of a life do you want to have on this earth? You ever hear that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places? Yeah. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Let me tell you what Jesus is doing. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. You know what that is? Restore him. And he with me. This restoration isn't for the unbelievers, but it's for us. He's standing at the door and knocking for us. He's trying to get our attention because we're so busy. Don't have time to sit down and listen to the heart of God. Our Father, don't have time to sit down and get into His Word so He can speak to us. Is that you? And if it is, hear His heart today. Because He is saying, I need my children. I want my children. You know, when our children grow up and they leave home and we got that nest, empty nest... I feel like sometimes God has some emptiness. And He just laid that on my heart. Picture this the Lord Jesus is standing at the door in front of us, knocking on the door of our heart. He's seeking entrance. For the purpose of renewed fellowship. Oh yeah, when you accept Jesus, you're on fire. You're really excited and you're going to go tell everybody about it. But how long has it been since you told someone about Jesus? How long has it been that Jesus has to stand there knocking on the door and saying, "Come, Please let me in. I want to talk to you. I have things for you. I want to give you my best. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Because I have my best. Will you make him the Lord of your life? You see, you take the first step and you accept Jesus into your heart. But you take the second step, making him the Lord of your life. That means that everything you're going to lay at his feet. Every day, all the time. Yeah, I've told you before, I get up on Sunday morning and I say, Lord, I can't do this without you. That's true. I can't. I must have the Holy Spirit working inside of me, speaking through me. You don't want to come here to hear me. You want to hear God, you want to hear the Holy Spirit. And that is so crucial. I love this scripture. This is Romans 12. One to three. And this tells you what to do. And this is the message version. So here's what I want you to do Paul's talking. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't you love that in the message version? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Then he says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. He said, I have responsibilities. God called him to preach. God called him to minister to people. And you know what? We're all called. Every one of us are called to minister to others. Not just a pastor, not just a lay leader, you know, not just a leader. Every one of us are called to do that. There are hurting people out there and they need God's love. (laughs) They don't know it. Can you imagine what this world would be like if everybody got on board the glory train? (laughs) Got on board on the glory train and really knew that God loved them so much and grasped it, believed it, Living then as every one of you does in pure grace. It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are, and what we do for him. So then I began to think about Jesus, his character, and what he's done for us. And so I wrote this from all different scriptures and it's our beloved King's love letter to his bride. We are his bride. So, Isaac, you want to put some instrumental on real low? I really want you to grab a hold of this. This is his love letter to you. Maybe some of you won't get any kind of a love letter on Valentine's. But this is the greatest love letter that you can receive. The greatest Valentine. Oh, he can't do that, can he? He turned everything off. Okay. Okay. Can you do it? (laughs) I love when I'm introduced to those. I need the light, Fred. (laughs) Do you want to turn the light on? I need the light. I can't see. now we're gonna get serious (laughs) I love when I am introduced to those who don't realize the love I have for them and those who don't know me at all you see I knew and I loved you before you were in your mother's womb I formed your innermost being, shaping you inside and outside, weaving them all together in your mother's womb. Oh, you didn't know that, but I knew someday I was going to show you myself strong to you. I waited for the perfect timing for you to notice me. You were beginning to notice more of me and less of yourself. Oh, I was enthralled by your beautiful words of passion and love for me. My love is relentless in pursuing you, but I know the perfect timing that your love would awaken for me. So I'm going to give you my love that is relentless in pursuit of you. My love is everlasting, and I draw you with my loving kindness my love is steadfast and does not go by emotion. My love is unconditional. My love empowers you to take my calling. My love is the shadow of the Almighty. My love gives hope to a dying world. My love brings desire in my children's heart for more of me. My love brings my children. To me. My love brings reflection, not perfection. My love heals the pain and restores the joy. I am calling you to be my bride. Oh, I know it's hard for a man to see me as his bridegroom because he looks at his masculinity instead of his true identity in me. Some men say this is a woman thing and don't want to come close to me. But you see, your spirit is neither male nor female. In a marriage relationship, the bride is such a blessing to her husband. As my bride, through your sonship, you are a blessing to me. I created men and women in my image, and I know how to draw each one to me. Think of this. It's such a blessing to have the gift of intimacy with your wife or husband. How much greater is the intimacy between you and me? Do you remember my friend John? He knew I loved him so much. He even rested his head on my chest quite regularly. He loved to hear my heart beating for him. He knew my love for him was greater than his emotions. Remember the Shumarite woman? She hungered for more intimacy with me. They both thirsted for more of me and they weren't going to let me go. You see, my precious children, everything you read about with the Shulamite woman is what I long from my church. I love John with a pure love that few on earth can comprehend, but in heaven it is obvious to everyone. Come away with me, let me awaken the darkness and show you my light. I wanna give you my love like you've never known Oh, my love is greater than you could ever imagine. I want to kiss you with my spirit falling on you with a fresh passion to know me. Jesus, your bridegroom, King. Let me awaken your spirit to my love and affection toward you. Open up your heart to my word and draw close to me. I long for more intimacy with you. You see, it takes time to build a relationship with me, my warrior bride. Together, we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey for you will reach into my heart. My name is poured forth for you. My love is never ending. I am inviting all of you to my banquet where we can sit down together and enjoy each other. Will you be my bride? Rise up, my love. My fair one, come away with me. You have ravished my heart. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Praise him. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You. You have ravished God. We've been studying about entering the promised land, and we started this last year. <laughs> and we're just going section by section. Right now, Joshua and all of the people are at the edge of Jericho, and they're just about ready to come in and have the battle a very interesting battle because it's not the same battle that uh, we normally would see. God has shown himself strong to Joshua many times, even when he was mentored by Moses. And again, God intervenes and he shows himself strong to Joshua. Joshua 5.13 says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up. And behold, a man stood near him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, neither. But as prince of the Lord's host have I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and said to him, What says my Lord to his servant? And the prince of the Lord's host said to Joshua, loose your shoes from off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Well, remember how God visited Moses at the burning bush and told him to take off his shoes. You're you're standing on holy ground. And when I read this, I thought about the song I Can Only Imagine. And we had that this morning what will we do when we see God's glory show up will we stand in his presence will we bow will we be able to speak will we sing hallelujah or won't we be able to speak at all we don't know but my thought is that this was Jesus who had visited him I know some people say it's an angel but you don't worship angels you worship the Father you worship Jesus and Revelations 22 8 says I John am the one who heard and saw all these things and when I heard and saw them I fell down to worship at the feet of an angel who who showed them to me and he said no Don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers and prophets as well as all who obey what is written in his book. Worship only God. I believe God was showing Joshua that he was ahead of this battle. He's getting ready to go into a battle. And if you think about the battles that are in our life, God wants us to know that he's ahead of it that he's right there, he's already worked it all out, he's ahead of it all, and he was letting him know that this is the beginning of taking over and going into the promised land. All these years they've had the promise of the promised land. Many years we've had promises in our life and we've not seen them yet, but we don't give up. We stand and we hold on and we believe God for his promises. I also see it as God was giving him peace. He's peace. You know, when you're down and you're on holy ground, you are peaceful. You are experiencing peace like you can never have when you're on holy ground. And I believe that he gave him peace to be able to go forth. And he was letting him know, I'm the commander of the army. I've got this. I remember when our precious friend, Donna, she had bought this little mug, you remember, this little mug, and it was for me. But God told her not to give it to me yet. He would let her know when to give it to me. And that was just really amazing because then Fred had the heart attack and she handed me the little mug. God's got this. Never forget that we have to remember over and over and over, remind ourselves that God's got this. No matter what is going on right now, God's got it. So we think about this, what kind of a battle is this gonna be? Joshua 6, one says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. So no one was allowed to go out and no one was allowed to come in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. It didn't look that way, did it? Everything is so tightly shut up. In other words, Joshua, don't look at what you see. And see, that's what we do. We look at what we see, not what we know in God's word. And this is what he was saying to him. Joshua, it's okay. I'm ahead of this. Don't look at what you see. The victory is already won. You're not a victim. Keep your eyes on me. It is finished. The battle has been won. Those are words for us. We're not victims. Jesus already won the victory. And I believe he is saying to us today to give us peace and encouragement. I'm ahead of this. I've got it. So, two Sundays ago, during worship, the song Spirit Breakout came out with these words, break our walls down. And I encourage you to make this a prayer and ask the Lord what walls you have built up. And he told me, as you ask, he will start chiseling. Notice no one can come in or go out of Jericho. Sometimes the walls we have allowed to build in our life are so strong that only God can speak to those walls. In other words, it can be equivalent to a prison that we have built it up so strong. And don't you come in and I'm not coming out because I've been wounded, I've been hurt, and that's it. No more. Well, here's the facts of the city of Jericho and its walls. The city itself was about nine acres of ground. There was an inner wall and an outer wall that was about six acres. The wall was made of brick and was about equivalent to a seven-story high building. So that's a pretty strong wall. And nobody can come out and nobody can go in. Pretty strong. How in the world are the Israelites going to conquer this? only God how in the world is are we gonna be able to conquer things that are going on now only God only God and sometimes our walls are so strong and fortified that they become a stronghold to break down since we've allowed them to protect our minds our wills and our emotions that's our soul It could be a stronghold of anger that brings on bitterness and resentment, cursing, unforgiveness, insecurity, fear, and worry. And someone said, you know, maybe somebody said something insensitive to you when you were a little child, and you still have been carrying that with you. When we have walls that need to be torn down, They can be seen as imprisonment and division. It could be a wall of pride. Many times we put others down so that we look better. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges. God already knows your heart. He's already looking at each one of us. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Even those ones that are sneaking all around and doing things and being deceptive and and lying, God sees it all. He knows it all everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of god to whom we give account to and then in the message it says god means what he says what he says goes his powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. how many of you have had some operations that's how sharp it is. Cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense. Laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. And like a surgeon's scalpel, the sword of the spirit sometimes has to wound before healing can begin. Sometimes we have to go through those wounds. And it's really hard, but we know that we're getting surgery and we need that surgery because there are things inside of us that have happened and we have never gotten it taken care of. So we need that surgery. Sometimes you need it physically, but we need it spiritually. Instead of allowing the strongholds to remain, God wants us to give him permission to take a stronghold of this and remove it. See, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he doesn't just come in and just take it. He says, you give it. We need to give these things to him. Allow him. Search my heart. Psalms 139.23. Search my heart, O oh God. Know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wicked ways inside of me. What is that? What, what is going on inside each one of us. What walls have we put up that we're not even aware of? And that's why I asked you two weeks ago to start praying about those walls. Walls that you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've lost loved ones, maybe through death or divorce. People that have said nasty, awful things to you. Are you holding that? Are you holding that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that resentment? Second Corinthians 10, three to six says, for though we walk, in other words, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. Just like that dream that I had, I was punching everybody out that was lying and deceiving. You know, we don't do that. <laughs> And God was showing me we do that in the spirit. So when we take authority over those things, that lying and that deception and fear and worry and anxiety and resentment and all that stuff, we're punching the devil. That's what we're doing. Those demons that are trying to take over, we punch him out by our prayers and by taking authority over them. The message version says the world is unprincipled. It's a dog eat dog out there. That's what it says. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools. What's our tool? His word. We use those God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, and fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life that's shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. That's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to mature. Mature in him, to be more like him. So when we're taking every thought and purpose captive from the enemy, we are seizing control of allowing our mind that wants to contaminate our soul the enemy always works in the mind and at what he wants to contaminate our soul that we become sick in our mind our will and our emotions that are our soul if you get a thought of jealousy in your mind instead of entertaining it take authority over it and begin to thank the lord That you don't have jealousy. Because you have the mind of Christ. And Christ doesn't have jealousy. Like that. (laughs) Yes, he doesn't want us to serve other gods. And he's a jealous God in that sense. But we have our petty jealousies. Maybe somebody has a better gift in from God than we do. Oh, there are people out there that can play the piano and play the organs and do all those things, and you know, we can't do that. God, why don't we have that gift? You know, and us women, you know, we kind of look at each other and like, oh, her hair's really pretty, and I really like this, and why don't I have that? (laughs) And you know, people, especially women with dark hair, wanna have blonde, and blondes wanna have dark hair. (laughs) Are we ever really satisfied? That's where God wants us to come. To be satisfied with what we have and who we are in him and who he is in and through us. So now, God is the commander in chief and he's giving Joshua commands. Mm. This is how they're going to break the walls down. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Well, that sounds simple enough. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, which that's usually what happens, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests, give one long blast on the ram's horn. Have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of the town will collapse. This is God's promise to Joshua. And the people can charge straight into the town. What? That's it? <laughs> Joshua didn't question God. There's nothing here that he'd said, did I hear that right? <laughs> He didn't say, God, I don't understand this. Would you repeat that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. How in the world marching around a wall is gonna make it collapse? What in the world? We have never fought this way. They haven't. How are these walls going to fall just speaking to them? What does that tell you? Just speaking to them. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. You know, the ram's horn was a signal of celebration. The silver trumpet was a call to war. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests. So everything that God told him He assigned it to the people and he said, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. And after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests took the ram's horns, started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns. Can you imagine this? Now, think of yourself. You're (laughs) You're afraid of the Israelites. You know they're coming and you know they're right here now. All right. And you know they're going to come in and they're going to try to get in. What are they doing? What? They're marching around the wall. And I'm sure each one saw that and it's like, do you see what they're doing? They're marching around the wall. Well, that doesn't make any sense. But God doesn't tell us stuff that makes sense all the time. See, we have our head knowledge but he has his knowledge. We have the Holy Spirit to get wisdom and direction, not just always out of the head. God wants our hearts connected to his heart so that we have his heart knowledge. So he told him, do not shout, do this for six days, and don't say a word. How hard do you think that was? <laughs> Can you imagine all of us marching around a wall and having to stay quiet? Not like, oh, this is really great. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, we can't do any of that. We've got to stay quiet. Quiet. Did, we, did they have to remind each other, you know? Really? You better stay quiet. You can't say anything. Again, this required strict obedience to the Lord. And God will tell us things that are very strict. And we have to obey them. Because he has a plan in them. And Joshua and the people had to trust God's voice. So Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. This is another thing. Everything has to be destroyed. You're not going to keep anything except some things that will be like silver, gold, bronze, or iron that's sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. That's the only thing you're going to see. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. Can you imagine? Everybody, I mean, if you're shut up all that time and you're not allowed to say anything around those walls for six days, and all of a sudden you're allowed to shout, what kind of a celebration was that? And you know what? The walls were completely destroyed, everything in it men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats and donkeys. And the walls collapsed in Jericho. And you know what this is? This is breaking down the demonic power that was set up by the enemy and God was showing his power. You see, there's no way that this could happen without God. God showed his power. We've got things in our Earth right now in our land that there is no way it's going to get settled without God only God and we have to hold on to that and believe that because God's got it we've got to trust him now remember The spies made a promise to Rahab, the prostitute. So we come back to Rahab now. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all of her family. And of course that is what they did. And they burned the town down and everything in it. Only the things that were made from silver, gold, bronze and iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and all her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies that Joshua sent to Jericho. You remember that story, we had talked about it. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Wow, what a victory. That's a victory. Think of this, the walls of Jericho fell because of their obedience, that's why. And brought the victory to all of the camp Including Rahab and her family And sometimes the walls in our life Are too hard for us to take down So God will tell us Move closer to me Move closer to me And you know what? He will start to show you The walls that need to be torn down The walls that you have built up he will begin to show you. And as he begins to show you, he will start to chisel little by little by little until the wall is down. See, we're afraid to take walls down because we don't want to get hurt. So if we let that wall down, we're gonna get hurt again, right? So we're afraid. But what else is a wall of fear? And what else is fear? A scam from the enemy. We don't answer that door to fear. We remember seeing Rahab in the Hall of Faith as we walked down that hall I talked about and we saw her in Hebrews, that wall of faith. She kept her promise to the spies, and they kept their promise to free her and all the family in the house. So let me tell you the rest of the story with Rahab. Rahab was grafted into the line of Christ, became a partaker. I think this is so cool. (laughs) She became a partaker of his inheritance. God had a great plan for her when she had no idea how much he loved her. Do you know... That God has a great plan for each one of us. And many of us do not know how much God loves us. But as we draw closer and closer and closer to Him, we will experience more of His love and we will really know how much more and more that He loves us. She married Solomon of the tribe of Judah became the mother of Boaz. You remember Boaz, who later married Ruth? Boaz became the father of Obed, (laughs) and Obed the father of Jesse, who became the father of King David. Isn't that something? Rahab became the great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. (laughs) I love it. Does that tell us to give up hope on praying for people? No. no, it tells us to keep on praying, keep on believing. Rahab gives hope to all sinners that can be saved. That's an amazing story of God's love. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Faith provided a way for Rahab, the harlot, avoiding the destruction of unbelievers because she received the Hebrew spies in peace. She didn't get destroyed when the walls collapsed. She was saved. And Hebrews eleven thirty 30 to 31 says, and this is in the Passion Translation, Faith pulled down the walls of Jericho after they marched around the walls seven days. Psalms 147, 11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And I believe God smiles. I believe he does when we trust him. When we are delighted about someone, you know, here it says, the Lord delights in those who fear him and trust and put their hope in his unfailing love. You think he's not smiling when we trust him? When you're delighting in somebody, are you not happy? Are you not smiling? Of course you are. You're delighting in them. The question is, is God smiling over you? for trusting and having faith in him that whatever problem or situation or hard challenge in your life, you know that God's got it. Think about what your faith in God will do when you allow him to pull down the walls by showing you the blind spots in your heart and mind that will bring his repositioning physically emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Isaac, you can put that instrumental on. The question is, is God speaking to you today on the walls that need to be torn down? I just want to take a couple minutes. Just allow the Lord to speak to you this morning. Ask him that question. Lord, what walls have I built up? What do I have inside of me that I'm not aware of? Show me those blind spots. I want to be repositioned by you. How bad do you want changes in your life? How bad do you want healing in your life, in your heart, in your mind? How bad do you want to be set free? The Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to set us free free from all this because he took everything upon him. He took the resentment, he took the bitterness, he took the anger, he took the jealousies, the fear, the worry, he took it all and he became it all. Doesn't belong on us. I just wanna open up if you need to come up here to the cross. If you need prayer, I want to open it up to you.